Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nano Community Tech. Today's guest is Hish Fernando. Hish wears many hats. The biggest one of the lot is the CEO of uh, StoryFlick. He's also a TEDx speaker and a non-executive director on several boards. Welcome to the show, Hish. Thanks for having me. I have a lot of questions for you. One of the first ones uh, is let's let's get into StoryFlick first and tell us a little bit more about uh, your role uh, at StoryFlick and of course tell us a little bit more about StoryFlick. Yeah, thanks, uh, Sandeep. Look, um, in in a nutshell, I guess you know I had this vision to see uh, every organization leveraging the science behind storytelling, and that that's 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 our company vision. Um, but I think there's a there's a lot that goes into actually coming up with that vision. Um, so StoryFlick, uh, ultimately, I think, um, you know, I saw an opportunity in the market to introduce cultures of storytelling because um, storytelling has, has many, many benefits, uh, scientifically proven benefits. You know, it's a bit like practicing gratitude with others um, as one of them, but there's, there's so much brain chemistry that comes into play with uh, storytelling. So I think, um, you know, that, that, that goes on every day in every organization, but I suppose the, you know, when I look at the, um, let's even take the, the, the theme of practicing gratitude, it's something you do by yourself. Storytelling uh, is something you do with other people. So you get to, I guess, um, extend that brain chemistry, not just to yourself, but to someone else. And I think where I saw an opportunity with, with StoryFlick was how you have that one-to-many relationship. How can we uh, listen into everyone's stories, you know, whether they're stories to teach, to inspire, um, to learn, make things stick. Uh, there's a variety of reasons why we tell stories, but I think the science behind storytelling is something that uh, everyone can can have access to. And I think what what I stumbled upon was that, um, yeah, you know, it can actually contribute to high performance. And so this is where my my journey is today. And 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 this is what I guess the you know the, the, what we do in Storyflick. What the, the mission of Storyflick is? It's to help everyone to create uh, habitual, routine storytelling cultures. And then we provide a, I guess, a, a software platform that that enables that um, to to be used, but also for um, yeah, for, for for the analytics component of it, so we can get the pulse of an organization. Um, I was talking to uh, I was talking to some some people uh, recently at a, at a director's course, and I said, look, in a nutshell, I can measure culture in real time. And they went, whoa, because values are, are such an important um, part of it. I mean, boards are responsible for culture. Um, sorry, boards are accountable for culture, I beg your pardon. But, uh, you know, the, the management and CEOs are responsible for it. So that was an interesting take. And if you if you look at what's happening in the industry with uh, sports or, or, you know, I think recently there were some, some issues with Rio Tinto in the market, but there are lots of issues at a cultural level, but we don't, we've never had the data points to be able to, measure them because what gets measured gets managed. And, uh, and so that's, I guess that that's in a nutshell, how story flick started. Uh, that's such a, an important cause uh, and, and more importantly, the, an important insight for any organization. Cause uh, as we know, uh, people uh, work for organizations that have a, a culture that's aligned to their values and so on. So, I can almost see someone who's looking for a, you know, maybe that's one use case looking for a job. They could go into the, a, a bit of a, um, a real-time culture check with an organization and, and really get a good understanding of what they're walking into. Is this kind of what you're hoping 
Storyflick will allow? Yeah, look, it, it, it's something that Storyflick is very much morphing into because on our roadmap at the moment, um, you know, we, we have a we have an engine there that's uh, that has, you know, um, natural language processing and, and artificial intelligence, a whole lot of great things that our psychologists and, and data scientists have um, put together. But but in a in a nutshell, you know, you, you have this algorithm, I'll call it that, uh, in the absence of a better term, which can actually do things like you can it can look at company websites, run the natural language processing, and then on the face tell you what the perceived company culture is based on the communications and, and at least what their ambition is. Yeah. What it doesn't tell you is what the organic culture is, what's actually going on. And this is where you can, you know, I mean, it's, it's very complex. You've you got leadership voids, you know, something might sound good on the surface, but it's not the same until you get there or um, all it takes is one team sometimes to experience a bad culture. Um, whereas the team next to you might be having the, the most amazing culture. So, um, you know, it, it is a little bit subjective on, on, on that, but, but the algorithm is there to provide, I guess, as a, a data point, just in the same way that, you know the whole net promoter score movement came about it's it's not it's not definitive but it's a guiding light and i think that's that's you know to answer your question that's that's what story flick can do so that's what's on a roadmap but primarily it's about you know it's about creating engagement because when you tell stories you're engaged right so the the first, first our primary use case is how do we help everyone to tell stories then how do we give people feedback on making those stories more impactful right it's all about engagement because you can say one, say something, and you can say it in another way, which has greater impact that gets people off their chairs, and and you know, brings you to action. I guess so. So that's the that's the primary use case, the analytics component of it, and and you know, is is yeah, that's that's the that's a secondary or or a residual benefit. Um, it's a bit like you know, it's 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 like coaches can watch videos and and then come back and say, hey, here's how you play better. Um, so that's that's what the analytics will allow you to do. Now we also have a, a theme of transparency and that's everyone should have a, a access to the analytics because if we can all understand how we tell stories, then we can all adjust. I mean, culture is all about collaboration, transparency, trust, all those things. So um, so we've got some key design principles in the primary core of our um, uh, software. So Hish, I've got a lot of questions about um, the, the, the actual, I guess, technicality of stories and how, how we get those um, and yeah. how you're kind of pooling them together to form a picture. Uh, yes. it, it is a fascinating process and certainly something that, you know, having worked in corporate organizations before, it is certainly a unique take on, on how yeah. uh, culture is being measured especially particularly at a real time <laughs> basis <laughs> and i think i think so so the way so if i could uh, my understanding so far is that it it's both useful from an an internal perspective so um, decision makers uh, understand the kind of uh, organization culture they have across the board others um, who are in, in an organization or outside of the organization can have a look into the kind of culture that's continually developing so if it's trending towards a certain type of culture that's going to be more appealing say so for somebody as i mentioned before somebody looking for a job but also somebody who wants to stay on in a company and and goes okay well i can see this trending towards change um you know things like digital transformation would have a huge impact on the way things are done going forward 
Yeah, look, su- subject to psychological safety, right? Because I think, um, uh, you know, when I looked at, uh, I, was, I was chatting to a, a well-known sports team and, and they said, look, we would actually love to use this, but, um, but within the leadership group, and we're probably not ready for it to be uh, extended to fan engagement so that fans mm-hmm. can see that. We want to just spend a year knowing how we talk and how we, these stories are useful for us, right? And I think part of that's also just, you know, it's, it's a bit like understanding what are our unwritten policies, right, in, in what we say, what we don't say, et cetera. Um, so I think there's that aspect of it. And then secondly, look, companies are also big on risk, right? So I've had two um, different conversations with companies at the, you know, at, at polar opposites, right, which the first thought is um, they'll say, look, when it comes to mergers and acquisitions, we want to know what the culture of the organization is like. So this acquisition that we're making that's $5 million is not going to ruin our existing acquisitions, which are $50 million, um, just because of a cultural nuance or, or issue, right? So I think they want, you know, th- there are organizations like Macquarie Bank, for example, who are looking for um, cultural data points as part of their M&A. So they, they want to be able to dive into that. But then they're also of the mindset that, that that data is also company data. So it's only available in a, you know, in a safe place when it's, when they're doing due diligence, um, you know, to, to, to make, I think, you know, I don't think any executives would, let's say you were, I don't know, a big bank in Australia and you said, Hey, we're going to put all our stories out there in the public. I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of directors that'll say, Whoa, way too much risk not happening. Okay for an internal, but not external. So you know, in the similar style to how the yammers and and and, and the other conversational mediums uh, took place, I think um, I think what 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 I'm trying to encourage organisations to do is to understand uh, communications technology versus you know culture technology. And there's some some differences. Sure, you know you need you need communications to drive culture, but the idea here is how can we uh, you know how can we collect a catalog of, of things that are inspiring, a catalog of things that, that um, actually give us that, that brain chemistry every time we read this to then perform better? That's ultimately the asset we're trying to create for an organization. Um, I think, you know, there are the, the forward-thinking companies are thinking, well, how do we then take some of our best stories and publish them? Uh, or make them available to the uh, external world, but but maybe not all our stories. So there's different ways of, of, of I guess managing you know the story flow or the, or the communications flow um, on that front. There are many trends in organisations that would impact, and I think could be um, could shed light on on culture being the differentiator. Uh, two things that popped in my mind is um, uh, the the pandemic and how that's uh, impacted on uh, the importance of, of culture, both internally as well as within, um, obviously at this point, uh, internally. And then the other thing is just about future of work and um, basically how we're seeing culture play an important part in attracting the right talent and so on and so forth. So I guess I guess the first one first, maybe you could, your thoughts on how the pandemic is shaping up uh, Story flick, or how you know, are we seeing an, a, a significant increase in in um, in in the importance of uh, uh, culture technology? Yeah, look, it's a it's a good one, um, Sandeep, because uh, the reason why Story Flick started was because of the pandemic, right? So um, I think you know, just to go back to the origins of it, um, and and I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but we. I was. It all started at the preseason camp with the Melbourne Rebels um, rugby union team, where I actually had the opportunity to um, come in and teach the guys about character, 
culture uh, and storytelling because they were looking for ways to further connect um you know we, we, melbourne is a a melting pot of of sort of you know multiculture and even in even in something like a sport of rugby um everyone's from interstate <laughs> generally speaking um we have a, a you know a, a a large polynesian population here who are now starting to come through the ranks and and um and you know and and make the team but they're still you know, socioeconomic and demographic differences. Um, so we've got different people all trying to gel what better way than to use a technique like storytelling. So that was what happened at preseason camp. Um, but when I went to that camp, I actually took in Sharpies and post-it notes and a whole lot of storytelling techniques and science. Um, and I still have that, you know, that, that famous, famous picture which their vice captain sent to me after we, we finished it. And he said, Hish, the post-it notes have gone viral. Uh, we're actually carrying back every single post-it note from pre-season camp back into Melbourne Rebels headquarters and we're going to stick this up in our multi-purpose room and uh, and 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 it was just growing but then so they had a physical presence that they could go in have a look at appreciate uh, you know understand be inspired just looking at a whole lot of things a whole lot of post-it notes on the wall that inspired them and gave them that little bit of energy so they were using that religiously and uh, but then the pandemic hit and everyone was forced into bubbles and they had to go into different areas and this is when um, you know I think uh, uh, some very senior people in in the in the ranks said you should you should digitize this right so I had a, a one of my you know, a chairman popped up and said, hey, you, you really should digitize this this has got a lot of value um, you know had this been digitized in during the pandemic, we would have been able to use it and access it because the boys were actually using this, you know, uh, whenever they had a, a break, they were going and looking at it. So it, it then flipped the notion of how do we, um, you know, have access to culture in real time? Like how do we actually, how do we get everyone to tell stories as soon as they feel like it, as soon as they want to restart their, you know, the, the, the fire up their neurons and, and get the brain chemistry happening uh, as soon as they want to inspire someone in the team or tell a story. So, you know, as you feel it, you write it. And and that's the real-time aspect of it. Now, if everyone had the right habits and routines, because, you know, there's a uh, an opportunity to, to increase performance there, um, if everyone had the opportunity to, to, you know, write that and you started creating those routines, then you've got real-time access to the feeling, the culture of the organization, right? Are they congruent with the values of the organization? A whole lot of things you can analyze, but the bottom line is that that data flow is 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 instant it's it's real time it you know it's it's what someone wrote this morning and so you've got that uh, at your fingertips so i think i think the pandemic's actually um supported the digitization of, of this type of thing in, and in fact if you look at a lot of the the, the industry that are operating the culture tech industry um it's all driven by surveys so whether you look at culture amp or tiny pulse and limeade and a, you know whole whole lot of them generally speaking it's 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 a shift in the data flow. So they're actually poking you for the answer. Sandeep, I just want to know, you, I want you to answer these three survey questions and you're like, okay, I wasn't ready for this. Whereas with StoryFlick, we're actually, everyone's telling stories because they want to, not because they have to, right? So it's that, it's a whole, and so you, you're changing the way that you collect culture data. Um, in fact, you're not even collecting cult, collecting culture data. You're You're just harnessing what's already there. And that's the and that's the and yeah and that and that taps continuously flowing, so that's what we're seeing as the as the difference. Um, I think one in the pandemic and two just the way we've you know sort of uh, engineered the the process in the market. So, so if I can uh, uh, maybe just summarize what I understand the the experience from an end user. If I if I am working with a company, I put in 
I'm I'm now on the say a Slack or Yammer or uh, Microsoft Teams or one of those collaboration areas where I'm I might have some social conversations with uh, colleagues or, or with a group. Then there are obviously work conversations as well. Um, is the is StoryFlick going to go into both of these? Uh, I guess sources of d- data. Yeah, the opportunity to to process that natural language is there, right? So, uh, you know, one of the, this, this comes down to key design around culture because you've got to, you've got to do it with the user in mind. Um, so both of those options, are, I, I could, I could quite easily integrate StoryFlick into Slack uh, or, 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 you know, some of the other communication mechanisms you have. And, and it's quite simple. You could just kind of bring in what you're typing now into the StoryFlick environment. If, if it's just that bit you wanted to cut out, right? So you could kind of do the add StoryFlick, et cetera. There's different ways you can tag it and bring it in as a story onto StoryFlick if you wanted to be lazy about it. Um, but the whole idea, I guess, is to is to encourage people to say, you're already wired into this, you know, this, this application-rich environment, yeah? And what you want to try to do is tell everyone, look, that's work. Take a brain break, right? Go and brush your brain <laughs> instead of brushing your teeth. And that's to actually unplug, you know, what the, what the players were doing is that physically walk into that room and then, Right, you know, and, and write up stories on post-it notes. So I'm, even though it's possible and we've got different trains of thoughts of with users, I'm against things like notifications, right? Because sure, they'll they'll give you notif- they'll give you dopamine and it's, it's bugging you and it's distracted you from some, you know, another train of thought that you've had. We already do that. But if you were able to get into the right frame of mind, the right habits and say, you know what, I need to now take a brain break and I want to go and get inspired or learn something, see what the culture's like, I'll physically remove myself out of this work digital environment and jump into this cultural environment, write a few stories, feel good, read a few things, take, you know, sip my coffee while I'm doing it, and then uh, jump out of that and get back into work. But again, it, it's got to be user driven. So there's a couple of different ways you can do it. I've got my thoughts um, and, and recommendations, but absolutely, you can integrate that into Teams and, you know, the other channels. So what I'm, what I'm understanding is that the work stuff remains separate from the the, the sort of more personal stuff and, and to use it as a user, I'd have to take a, I'd have to want to share a story or an, or a thing that happened to me. So let's say my, you know, I don't know, I have a new pet and I want to share that sort yep. of, that news with people. The idea is that you want to share that because you know that it's going to have an impact, right? Now, generally speaking, if you said, hey guys, uh, I, I just want to let you know that I've got a pet and it uh, it's pooed all over my carpet, right? Now, that's going to make everyone smile, yeah, um, you know that's going to make everyone smile and laugh because, especially those with pets, because they've had it and they've had it happen to them. Now that is actually impactful in just in saying that because people have anchoring thoughts. You've just created dopamine in the person that's reading it, right? So, so that's that. I would consider that a beneficial story or a little post, if you wanted to call it that. Um, so there's there's one example of, of that. But then again, you may have say something um, completely different, like, hey, I just want to, Sandeep, I wanted to thank you for having my back in yesterday's meeting. You know, it, it really demonstrated, um, you know, that, that that you're there for me when, you know, when, when, when things get tough. Now, our algorithm in the back end will pick up a whole lot of things to say uh, that's evidence of resilience and starts to, you know, then use our character reference databases. And, and, and it, through your natural language, it can pick up a whole lot of, uh, sentiment, emotions, you know, rhetoric structures. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, and, and, and we'll determine whether that's impactful or not. Now, you know, the very fact that you're, I mean, you and I as, as humans can think, 
well, hang on. The fact that Hish mentioned that to, to Sandeep is um, is good because it shows that Sandeep's lead, you know, his leadership's really good. He's he'll be there for us as well. Like, that makes me feel good. So then, therefore, it's impactful. Yeah. So whereas if I wrote, "Hey guys, I just walked my dog on the weekend," then it made me feel good. And I was like, "Yeah, okay, so what?" Right. So that that's not an impactful story, but still, it's good that they people are expressing themselves because I'm happy that they're happy. So right. you know, and I think. Overall, you can start to then grade what, you know, you don't want to discourage people from, from, from telling stories, but you want to actually uh, encourage them to improve their storytelling. And there's mechanisms in place to do that. That's very fascinating because obviously all of that then comes together, um, giving kudos to colleagues. Uh, and if that's happening often enough, then clearly it's a very encouraging culture. And if it's not happening enough, then perhaps there are other questions to ask about the culture, right? So I think that's that's really good insight. Um, now, uh, StoryFlick uh, has a lot of technology behind it. It can you talked about analytics, you talked about machine language, um, and a few other technologies that uh, that allow it to be, a, I assume, delivered through the web and all those other um, modern um, methods of delivering applications. Clearly, you have a slant towards uh, the technology side of things. Be keen to hear how you got into, um, how your interest started in technology. Yeah, look, uh, so, so look, my, I've always been involved in the technology services side. So, you know, always in, in implementation of software, um, in uh, in data governance and data analytics, that's sort of been my background. Uh, so you, you tend to you tend to jump into. I, I think the fascination came from the fact that here you are, or you're part of an organization that's selling time and services, and you're you're walking to an organization, and you're doing your best to exit an old technology and and you know and and insert a new one, and amongst all of that there's all this change that's taking place and that change you know there's a there's a technical change that needs to take place but that's relatively relatively straightforward because you you know what needs to be done it's the people and pro- even the process change it's mechanical right it has no feelings <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's the people aspect of it where the, where the change management side of things can sometimes um, be overlooked, right? Because just doing things a certain way uh, or changing a process or changing a system or, or you know, adding on, or re- you know, reducing a number of steps can have an impact on someone because you've just taken away their purpose, right? Or you've just taken away their reason for being, you know, that's a, that I think organizations don't understand, um, you know, Simon Sinek talks about the, the, the performance to trust ratios, right? So, we, when we, when we, I mean, 95% of the implementations I've been on or, or tech services projects, it's all about how we improving performance. Fundamentally, when you look at it, it's all about how do we improve performance. None of it's all about how do we improve trust. There's a, there's an, there's a, I guess there's an unwritten agreement that we're trying to improve trust, right? Because well, trust with us as the vendor. But you know, I've always looked at this and I thought, okay, this is really interesting because there's been successful projects and there's been unsuccessful projects and we've applied the same framework and approach. What's the difference? And that's when my, uh, I guess, what piqued my interest around culture. And, I, and, and I've always heard of this thing called culture, but no one's ever been able to tangibly define what culture is. And so I you know, spent some time really trying to understand this, looking at failed and successful projects, um, you know, working with charitable organizations that, that, try to do this in schools, uh, you know, even, and then, and then I think I stumbled up, uh, on, on, 
um, the power of storytelling just through you know various opportunities and had a an opportunity to as it's you know speak in at TEDx Melbourne um, in 2015 and and but but even the process of, of or the school of TED in the lead up to that started to tell you how to create impact and I and I saw that as an opportunity to really shift culture. So as I as I do, there's there's three things that drive me, which is experimentation, data, and psychology. <laughs> so when you put those three things together, you can start to do some amazing things. And that's what I've discovered. Um, it also helps when um, other organizations are saying the same thing and writing you know, um, articles in the AFR and, and other, other places around the importance of those three elements. So um, that's, I think I stumbled upon that by accident through my tech services uh, background and thought it's a great opportunity to then focus on, on building services and software to cater for that that need in that market and you know there was some some great uh, unicorns uh, in, in in the market who are already doing that um melbourne you know started started here in uh, in in victoria so good on them nice one and and i think one thing that i really um kind of piqued my interest uh, when you were talking about trust and trust traditionally is already quite hard to attain, easy to lose. Um, but when we now introduce technology into the mix, and when and I assume when you say trust, you mean between individuals, between human beings, um, we've introduced yet another player, which is the technology itself. And perhaps it, you can view it as a medium. What are your thoughts on that added challenge of having technology sit between two or more individuals and still build trust. Yeah, look, it, it's an interesting one because as you, you know, you look at guys like Stephen Covey and, and this whole lot of other thought leaders that talk about trust and they, they break down trust into, you know, even further subcomponents. You know, they say, you know, they, they, I think someone said this to me, they said, uh, do you trust your wife? I said, yeah, absolutely do. You know, would you trust her with uh, the detail on your and your finances? And I'll say no. So you know, and 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 so these are these are elements where you do, you know you've got a difference between character trust, detail trust, innovations trust, um, service trust. You know, there's different elements of trust where we're good at some things, we're not good at other things. You don't trust mistrust the person. It's just that we know what our strengths and weaknesses are. So I think fundamentally people don't understand trust to begin with. Um, and I think this is where you've got data points to really start to look at, okay, what should we start to trust people for and what things do they not even trust themselves around, right? So um, maybe it's the, you know, the jar of chocolates you leave next to them. I trust you will not eat all of this. No, no chance. That, that's, 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 that's not going to work. Um, so I think, I think the technology is going to help further enhance that, right? Because it's going to, it's going to speed up. It's going to automate. It's going to really identify these things faster. Um, so yeah, so trust is a, I mean, and, you know, even just to talk a little bit of tech, um, we have a, a um, you know, in our engine, we've got uh, access to, I think they're called, uh, my data scientist says they're called lexical data structures, which which basically means that, you know, we can start to infer, you know, if I, if I said something like, um, Sandeep, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you had my uh, back yesterday on the workload, right? Now, that can infer trust just with the, the, the um, those string of words that have been put together, right? So, and if you look up, um, I think there's a, a group, Cambridge University, put together WordNet, uh, and and that that you know starts. If you type in the word trust in their database, it'll show you a whole lot of relationships. There's a big spider web of okay, 
that word trust relates to these five words. You know, here's other ways to pick up the words trust. So we've incorporated all of that into our data set to be able to, to be able to even just keep an eye on any shades or elements of trust, right? So if the word transparency is in there, it'll have an interrelationship to the word trust. Uh, and so, so, you know, you've got ways in which you can start to measure the trust appreciation you know, there's all sorts of um proprietary science behind it that we're we you know that that we're um able to use so i suppose the, the science is open but the methods in which we're uh, trying to to capture that science is is the proprietary component so let's unpack that for a bit um we sure well, well i'm i'm keen to understand what elements or what measurements you're making um so i assume tr- trust is one of the metrics if or perhaps a set of metrics that lead to trust and 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 basically what else are you are you measuring and and it would be good if you could share some interesting uh observations that you've seen obviously don't no need to name or shame anyone but (laughs) what what are the observations (laughs) that you're seeing yeah, look, the, the key one, it's really interesting. I so said we're running these projects with um, several clients at the moment and, and, and each and every one of them is fascinating in their own right, um, right through to the stories, that, that, that the benefits they want to see from storytelling through to, you know, um, what's actually happening. And I'll, I'll help you unpack that. I think that the key thing is, um, so the United Nations, uh, uh, you know, I think it was um, uh, many many years ago, it was inside the last decade, actually um, fully endorsed some work that was being done by a group called the Virtuous Project. And they put together um, over a hundred characters, universal characters. They they went out to every single, you know, religion, community group out there and said, hey, let's find what character traits unify us as human beings, right? So so there's about 20,000 characters, I think, uh, character traits globally, but you know, there were some that were very, um, they had religious affiliations or, or they weren't really universal in, in, in their nature. But, there was, you know, they, they managed to distill, uh, sorry, distill it down to about, yeah, about 100 to 120 characters, I, I believe. Um, you know, so, that, so trust is one of those characters, right? Character traits, um, trust, trustworthiness, et cetera. So there's, there's a whole lot of definitions on there. Uh, Melbourne University at the moment are doing a huge piece on character um, and character traits, um, you know, in conjunction with uh, a lot of the secondary schools at, at the moment. So I was recently chatting to um, the psychologist at Genazano College, and you know, she said that, you know, one of their character traits or the values as they call them is is um companionship right so now that's you know arguably that's not in the 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 united nations sanctioned 120 list but you can start to use the as i said the the lexical databases to say okay companionship what does that infer okay unity collaboration you know so you can actually start to then spiderweb these things together so that words have meanings yeah and i think that's what we're trying to do fundamentally so that's the that's the tech side of things now what observations are we seeing um and this is the simplest one, right? This is the one that that's close to my heart. I've worked for some real buttholes, if I can say that, in my time. Um, and 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 what you tend to find is that they they're very good at managing upwards, uh, and then they're not, very, you know, they're, they're, and that way, and there's just a little bit of toxicity that happens downwards in the team, etc. Um, and so, what I what I thought was. You know, and, and I did this little exercise. I think I was, I was using Miro at the time, and just sort of, you know, started to um, put some stories together just to see what what was happening. And I, you know, the, the analyst in me wanted to look at all of that, and I started to realize that there's great connections. I had great connections sideways and with other managers, but just with my manager at the time, um, 
there was a disconnect, right? And so, and and, and then I, I started to realize that my colleagues had, were having the same disconnect with the manager. So you kind of knew where the issues were. So that's why I think one of the things that, that I, and we're see, seeing that at the moment with StoryFlick, where, the, where there are teams where there are no stories coming or the stories are limited or in the stories, um, we have this great uh, KP or the indicator, I should call it, um, which is a cultural leader, right? So they're people that get spoken about or people that tell stories the most. Yeah, it's very simple. Every, Sandeep may never write a story, but everyone talks about Sandeep, right? Cultural leader. And that, and that person may not be in a position of, pow- of power and influence, right? But they are a cultural leader. You need to protect and look after that person because that person has high amounts of trust, right? That's, that's the simple way of looking at it. Then you've got people who are constantly broadcasting and telling stories. They're just really pumping up the culture. So you really want to be able to look after them as well. So you've got those data points, but I think the most interesting part is the void of trust, right? Or the void of any activity whatsoever. It starts to make you, you, know, you might look at someone and say this, gee, as, as a management or senior leadership, or actually the whole organization will look at that one team and say, we're not hearing a lot there about that Andrew character or whoever it may be, right? And so then it starts to have the questions around, okay, do, you know, who do we need to, like, you know, what can we do? What can we start to stimulate? You know, can we have some conversations? It just, it just becomes another guiding point, not a, not a, mm-hmm. a defined data point, but, but it also then forces that, that, that person to then go and say, oh my God, I'm, I'm a little bit exposed here. I need to start to do some good. So it's, it's actually got a, you know, the, the double negatives because it, it brings on a positive. It actually forces them to start to become good, start to engage. And you can't fake it. You can't be, you know, there's, because they can go and try to get a story written about them, but it's got to be authentic. Otherwise people aren't going to do it anyway. Or if it's, if it's written unauthentically, people are going to see through that. Mm. Right. And it'll eventually die down. So we are starting to see the voids in areas and those voids are starting to, provide really good data points to management around what are some, you know, this person is in a position of power and influence, but they're not also a cultural leader. We need to equip them to be a, a, a you know, a cultural leader. So, and, and that, that, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but yeah. Well, and that's, that's very interesting because obviously we're, we're going down to that individual level and almost uh, a, a sort of an insight into the person, um, their sphere of influence, their sphere of trust, and, and that's very interesting. But we also talked about from an organizational perspective where there's an aggregated, potentially, that's what I understand, an aggregated view of what culture looks like in an organization, the toxicity, or, or you know, how welcoming they are. But I think the, the interesting thing is um, I have actually worked in an organization where, consulted in an organization where there was ultra transparency about people and which meant your thoughts about an individual, the organization invited you to share those thoughts in a, in a organization wide forum. Now you could have good things to say, but on the same token, they called it constructive things to say, but you, you could really be as um, like a better word, as scathing as you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the whole intention there was to take a lot of this data and create a picture of what that person is like. And, yep. and, and interestingly enough, this information was actually fed into their yearly performance review. 
is your visualization that this is one of those is this where story flick is going yeah absolutely look i think i think um yeah there there are a few organizations um that i've heard who are doing these things they're very open right they've actually created it's like they're creating psychological safety um as part of their dna which i think is is fabulous right i think um you also do have to then marry that up with oh hey look we've noticed that sandeep's been making a lot of comments sandeep's no longer here so you've got to really you know i mean it, it it's good it's a good step towards creating trust but um uh it'll be interesting to you know get the perspective of the employees on on how that works and i think uh, you know there's some some great learnings i i i might even know the organization you're talking about but um look i think i think ultimately um it would be good yeah it would you know we, there's this big drive to try to understand culture and the way that people are being so so the positive thing in the industry is that people are being rewarded on culture now right that it's it's making its way into kpis behaviors are making their way into kpis the negative is that it's very subjective right it could come down to the discretion of your manager as to whether you fit in your team or not if you don't have a very good relationship with your manager you're in trouble right and that's that's probably um a, a good thing to have a good relationship with the manager but unless your manager is the actual toxicity point right because then your whole team's at risk and everyone's you know sort of kissing butt just to make it mm. through the year so it can be very subjective i, I absolutely want to have story flick there if the management agree and and there's consensus um to have this as a as a this you want to have data points you want to have data points across the whole year not just the last 3 months when we know that performance reviews are coming up yeah or the mm. last month or the last week or 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 leaving it to a, a level of subjectivity where you go and ask all the the leadership the management team to review you um and they're all good good buddies and you know you you you're either going to do really well or you're stuffed you know so there's it's to give very objective data points on your cultural performance so that's that would be a, a an ideal scenario um, and there are some organizations that are heading that way i still think we've got some time to go not so much because of the platform and its capability but because of the the cultural evolution of of this country and and again very interesting points and i think it it pops up in my mind the uh, uh possibility or the um how confident people are sharing stories that are not positive <laughs> uh yep. negative experiences yep. with people this is this is a very first of all as a human being it's always uncomfortable um let alone putting it into written form and potentially having it live in the mm. digital world forever and ever so yeah. whilst whilst I'm I may be anonymous and I might um i might be more likely or more comfortable doing it that way again not that i not that i would ever do something like that but are you observing that individuals and are are sharing a balanced view so just as well as uh, offering credit and kudos they are also going okay well here's an area of improvement well the 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 design principles behind story flick um you know one of the i guess that you know is is around the the design principles around story flick is to create um opportunities for 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 better neuroplasticity right so what does that mean repeated contemplation so if you're you know it's like if you watch the news all the time that's all you ever watched you're going to have a pretty warped miserable view of the world and by the way we've taken the worst set of brain chemistry and we've just you know made you a, an anxious person yeah so the idea with story flick is that all you're going to be sharing is positive news right so that we don't want you to share anything negative um 
because this is this is a book of our wins this is a book of our achievements this is a book of our gratitude right um the idea is that it's going to be a resource that we can look at and and get energy right so we don't want to dilute that energy by mixing it up with things that aren't going to give us that energy and so i think so if you think of it that way it's it's kind of let's look at the glass half full <laughs> uh view of the world and say that you know we're just going to focus on that bit now the very fact that the glass glass is half empty as well is is a data point in itself right so the the i suppose where what where we want to use storyflick is to say sandeep this year um you know here's the metrics that we've seen around you it's very congruent with our culture you've written you know x amount of stories that's great you've contributed this much energy into the tank thank you right whereas someone else may not have contributed any energy at all into the tank right but people are talking about them that actually that is a contribution because people are writing about you so there's many ways to analyze that right um but but i guess ultimately storyflick is going to paint a picture or it's going to paint the positive picture of your organization and what we want to then do is look at the market share of that to then say hey look here's your contribution to that tank and and that's that's the that's the culture trust um i guess indicators yeah and i think just as well if if no one sharing any positive news that's already a data point in its own right yeah absolutely absolutely it's a said you know you you looking at the glass half full but the fact that there's still more to fill is that it's the it's the inverse right so that's 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 exactly what we're talking about yeah you know so we've we've spoken uh, a lot about trust of course and we've talked about um you know the uh, the positive uh, nature of of reflection um and giving strength to the individual and using technology to deliver all of that that's absolutely uh i think that's that's amazing and i am often of the view that well what what problems do you think storyflick has yet to solve that we don't know of that's a that's an interesting one look because i think you know i'm following the 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 thread of um the scientific uh, the scientific benefits of gratitude include improved relationships improved culture well-being and performance right they're the they're, that's what um gratitude and storytelling can solve so improving and you know the, the the data person in me says let's let's understand how much we can improve it by um i think the 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 bit that it hasn't solved which which i'm really excited about so um obviously with there's a, a couple of sporting teams and and uh funny enough a couple of banks in the relationship banking world who want to dive into the performance aspect of it right so how can we so how can we curate our stories to increase performance now this is a an interesting thing that we stumbled upon um in in recent months actually because if i take for example something like uh, serotonin right which is the in in brain chemistry speak that's you know when you're relaxed when you're chilled out um you listen to music you you're calm you're bringing that serotonin in but there is uh, these the scientific journals that talk about the dopamine to serotonin ratio which means that you can be too relaxed right so to the point where it's affecting your performance um or you could be uh having too much of of the performance side of things that now it's getting to the point where pressure is no longer good you're actually getting cortisol right which is the stress hormone so ultimately i think what's exciting about this is that if we can find um the uh, the brain chemistry around high performance and then uh channel that through to to fine tuning our storytelling for high performance 
that's pretty exciting. That's what I get excited about. Um, and there are some, uh, uh, you know, there's some, there's there's three key sort of, uh, uh, you know, three key elements in brain chemistry that I'm focusing on with the research that we have. One is dopamine, right? So dopamine makes us feel good and gives us focus, right? So we're having fun storytelling creates that. We know that. Um, the second one is noradrenaline. Um, and so when we push ourselves some more dopamine, this gets released, right? So keep having fun. If you keep having fun, we should be able to get dopamine and, and noradrenaline or, you know, um, or keep drinking Coke if you're a, a programmer. Um, and then, and then the third one is, is, uh, and I can never say this. I think it's a, a, a acetylcholine, right? Acetylcholine. That's it. Um, which basically helps us to learn, right? So it helps us to rewire our neurons and therefore we learn new things. So if you're having fun, you're highly engaged whilst you're learning, the short answer is you retain more. And if you retain more, you're performing better, right? So, and that's 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 what we call neuroplasticity. It's the, the repeated contemplation. So have loads of fun, uh, have loads of fun and keep learning. And those three, uh, you know, sort of, yeah, in, in, in the neuroscience world, that's the brain chemistry that takes place that, that we want to achieve. So I'm looking for helping organizations to say, these are some reference stories that are driving this. And, and therefore, this should start to, you know, not give you 110% performance. Maybe it's 400% performance because these guys are really wide in. They're loving what they do and they're just smashing it um, and they don't feel tired <laughs> as a result. So I think that's that's where, you know, where I'm trying to um, get to. Um, too often have I, I, I've heard and, you know, I'm not meaning to pick on any particular sectors, but, you know, I keep hearing the term, oh, I love my work and work from home. It's so flexible. Now that, when I, when I hear that, right, to me, and probably because I've got a few more data points than just the conversation I've had with that person, it just means that they're they're not performing, or they're, no one's pushed them to perform and grow, right? They're getting slack. Oh, we'll call. Oh, I have flexibility. Now you're bludging. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. And 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 they're bludging because it might be because of that. They've got too much serotonin. Yeah, you because know, the workplace facilitates it. Yeah, and and that's and yeah, that's what it's like being in this particular sector, for example. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, these are the sorts of I think cutting edge opportunities that we're looking to explore with uh, something as simple as stories. And in the workplace of the future, ten years from now, twenty years from now, uh, and it, what what I'm also picking up is that this. When I say that, I don't just mean the corporate environment. You're you've obviously yeah. described. A spectrum of workplaces, including um, rugby fields, for example, or yeah. you know, this could go from right from corporate uh, boardrooms to um, teaching facilities to sports facilities. It, it just goes across the board, and every single one of these um, will and and you know, that's a definite constant. Will experience change in the next yeah. 10, 20 years. So do you have any thoughts on how the uh, importance of culture will become more and more dominant when, because I can see that, I can see that being a very important part of the, the, the you know, you are, you are putting ten, a tangible aspect to something that was, that has been traditionally n- known to be intangible. You know, from your perspective, what does the, how does culture play a part, an important part in 20, 30 years' time? 
Yeah, look, it's a it's a great question. Um, I think you know I'm of the view that uh, in in a simple view, everything is becoming more automated, more robotic. Um, you know, I know people think about the work from home, but I've always had this concept of of you know I call it work from drone because <laughs> you know we could be in a drone meeting room. Uh, you know, which is Uber style. It could be in the air for, for all we know. That's going, it's just hovering around everywhere. It's, you know, hey guys, we're actually at the Yarra Valley today. The whole team in this giant drone that's going over there and we have lunch and we all kind of go, you know, like it's, it's so that space is not going to be limited to this house. It could, you know, and that's a very, a, a very likely possibility, you know, where it, it 3D prints our lunch and then we're eating it at the same time while we're over there and etc. There's all those things are going to happen. I get it. Um, so the automation and the, you know, the, the, the technification, there you go, I made up a word, um, of, of, of the work industry is going to happen. All we're going to be left with is the opportunity to connect and brain chemistry. That's what I think, right? Obviously, there's commerce and, and a lot of other things behind that, but I think that's going to be the important part, right? So you can see it happening in the legal industry today where, um, you know, the clerks are, are being, you know, you've got artificial intelligence doing the mundane work, which is then allowing us to focus on empathy, and and what's really important for some of the you know for some of the skills, um, you know, and you've seen it happen through the industrial revolution that 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 the labor industry was you know is starting to uh, change because robots are now three D printing houses or whatever it may be. So you you're not going to have a workplace where the tradies are going to get together and experience a bit of culture and have lunch and banter and that. That's going to be different because there might be one person or maybe no people because someone's doing it from headquarters in Manila, you know, building our houses in Melbourne. Who knows? Um, what we will have the opportunity to do is to have that engagement to say, uh, you know, I, I might be talking to Philip in Manila and saying, hey, um, thanks for, you know, getting the robot out there today. I know it's adverse weather, but, you know, you, you, you were able to do that you know, really appreciate what you're doing, even though we can't be in the same location. Actually, maybe we can. I'd love to get there. I'd love to meet you in 20 minutes and high five you, right? Just for that. Thank you. You know, let's grab lunch. Um, so it's everything's going to come back down to the the empathy, the connection, the brain chemistry, um, irrespective of the landscape of what we operate in. So I think this is the more important field, and who knows? You know, story story flick or its next iteration will be embedded in, uh, um, or at least the the, the you know, let's not make it about storyfield. Let's talk about the the um, leveraging the science behind storytelling, right? So every organization, team, group, as long as we continue to leverage the science behind storytelling in the future of work, we're going to live a, a very connected uh, and meaningful life. I think the the notion of uh, connected um, is going to mean a lot of different things in twenty thirty years. It already means a spectrum of things right now and I, and building trust i go back to that um encouraging high performance all of these factors are are going to be so important and continue to be they are important today but they will continue to be important given that the workplace our environment is going to change so much in the next 20 uh, 30 years where i am a firm believer that a lot of the mundane repetitive high frequency tasks will be taken over by um, automated systems. And they should be because our energy and our intellect is be better spent on solving problems, uh, doing things that are not, um, not been done before and being creative about, uh, about our way forward. And you know, with the list is long of the problems globally and so on that we need to resolve. So 
you know, we all have to work together in that space. But I think um, building that trust and having a, a way to think um, tangible, and I think that's that's really useful because one of the things that I and this just thought just popped in my head, it, it was personality. So we we'd often before we form any team, we'd have some sort of a personality test to go. Okay, well, how do I communicate with uh, you know Joe or Sarah or um, someone else from the team, and they and and understand their personality types. And it almost feels as though in the future, this is this is going to be very much part one of the many data points that we, any important one um, when we interact, before we interact, um, and during and after interaction too. And um, and the faster I can gain someone's trust and they feel that they can trust me, the faster I can be productive, the faster I can go into solving problems, especially given we're going to be internationally, way more internationally connected with different cultures, languages, et cetera. So, and, and culture is going to be that uh, intangible, tangible thing that will connect us. Yeah, absolutely. And look, even, even with cultures, um, you know, you, you can see that the, you know, trust is universal. In fact, all those characters are universal, right? Transparency is universal. It doesn't need a, a language or a, a little, you know, I use the word culture because I can be used interchangeably, but, but, you know, those groups, those community groups, um, it's universal, right? Uh, kindness is universal, right? Empathy is universal. And so these are the, you know, the, these, these character traits uh, are going to still exist, right? So even whether it's, as I said, myself dealing with, uh, that r- robotics operator who's 3D printing my house in, 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 you know, in another part of the world, we're still going to be exchanging um, or acknowledging each other's character traits, right? And, and you touched on a very good point because this is something organizations are doing now is understanding what they call love languages or appreciation languages, right? So it's uh, everything from, uh, you know, do we um, acts of service, you know, words of affirmation, quality time, um, uh, gifts and rewards are something we do, but people are starting to now, you know, they've had enough of that. Um, yeah, and, and there's five love languages. I can't, the fifth one escapes me for the moment. But but ultimately, when, when, you, when you understand how people are appreciated and how you want to be appreciated, um, that starts to, you know, that starts to really facilitate some some great connections because, um, oh, and the other one's actually, um, it's it's called physical touch. It's not, it's like high-fiving or laughing together. So that's something that, that people like doing as well. You know, some people are huggers. They just can't help it, right? So, um, and that's how they feel appreciated as opposed to you maybe cleaning their desk for them before they come in the morning. They're like, no, no, forget the desk clean. I want the hug, right? So understanding those things about people uh, is, is also another contributor to, to connection and appreciation. Thanks, Hish. And this has been a very enlightening discussion. And had you been nearby, I would have given you a hug too, but we are virtually <laughs> connecting. So I do appreciate appreciate your thoughts and, and time this morning. Um, I have certainly taken a lot out of it, uh, particularly the things that are really, really true to um, close to my heart, including trust. And that's continues and will, I think will continue to be important in the next few decades as we solve important problems around the world. So thank you very much Hish, doing, for doing what you do. No, thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully we, we all keep telling more stories. 